Welcome to the Nebraska Hawksmith. These guys are brave! They're Hawkeyes, living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their point. But they're still Hawkeyes! They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled! Corn Huskers, more like Corn Suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go Hawks! Alright, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest, your Hawkeye Oasis located in a Nebraska desert. If you are watching right now on our YouTube channel, you are getting a treat. Okay, this is an embarrassment of riches. We got not only Kyle Schlicker joining us, one of the other greatest kickers in Iowa Hawkeye football history. He's got a little bit of a rap sheet. So you guys that are listening on the podcast on audio, we're going to see if you can kind of figure out who it is. The 2009 NFL scoring leader, two-time Pro Bowler, 2002 Lou Groza Award winner, 2003 Consensus All-American, a career percentage of 86.2% field goal in the NFL Field goal accuracy. We have Mr. Nate Kading joining us. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. Man, I, that, that interlude there got me hyped up, guys. That's that, This is exciting. <laughs> That's what we do. We get everyone pumped up with the intro, and then they just get super disappointed when we come on. So it's kind of a, an emotional roller coaster for everyone. So, Nate, welcome to the podcast. We are definitely honored uh, to have you on here, and we're going to definitely dig into some questions for you. But we get to start out here in the very beginning. We are going to go over our results from last week, Matt. Hit us with the results. I don't think it's too pretty. Sponsored by Candles by Candy. No sounds. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. What happened? The production. No. Oh yeah. Sponsored hey, by Candles by Candy. Looks, everybody looks forward to that every week. <laughs> yes, we we gotta have the Candles by Candy handcrafting homemade candles at home for for quite some time so she's quite the entrepreneur so thank you to candles by candy uh, yeah for <laughs> for all all of your work that you do for us and um <clears throat> right now i have the um wonderful wonderful scent of cranberry sauce for thanksgiving burning in the background so it's not as good as the butternut squash from last week but it's it's good stuff so matt take it away all right we got uh the results from last week. Actually, everybody did pretty good except for Adam. Uh, no. Marty, Kyle, and I all uh, picked four out of the six correctly. Adam got a uh, one out of six. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that puts Marty is still in the lead at 64%. No change. Kyle went up at 57%, so he went up a percent. Um, I went up a couple percent, uh, 
and Adam is at 46% for Woo. the season. Man, I took a beating last week. That was rough for Adams. So I, I went I went all in and I lost big because I really was like, all right, if I'm gonna make a, a change in this, I'm gonna climb. I'm gonna have to do some opposite picks of these guys. And <clears throat> I yeah, I went for it and I was a big swing and a miss. So um definitely he did. I will point out he picked Purdue to win and got oh, that boy. wrong. I man, Kyle, I just, Kyle and I were the only ones who picked Iowa. I, go I gotta be gut, honest. I, I don't go, go by stats. I go with I go with my gut. There you go. Well, your gut was right on that one. Oh, man. I For that game, I just, you know, the offense hadn't been clicking. And for the last two weeks, we just, we figured it out. You know, it's just we, the, the line's playing much better. Uh, Nate, did you get a chance to watch the game at all uh, Saturday? I did, yeah. That was a, a kicker's nightmare there with the wind. But Oh, geez. my gosh. It was a lot of fun. They busted that offense out. and They had that thing rolling there, especially through the first half. And um, it was it was fun to watch. I got to tell you, that was one of the most refreshing things to watch that game. I mean, it just how we've had struggles all year. And then to come out in the line to play like that and to dominate of all teams, especially what we've gone through with them as of late and with, with the defections and the transfers to handle pretty like we did. It was I, I was pretty excited. My wife was like, are you insane? Like, <laughs> you never get this excited. And I'm like, well, I always get excited, but I wanted this one just a little bit more with everything that has transpired, losing four out of our last five to them. Um, I want to get each of your guys' thoughts on on what you guys saw in the game. Marty, we're going to start with you. I mean, Spencer looked great. You know, people are hard on him when he plays bad, and we need to give him definite props when he goes out and performs. He seemed to just have the touch on the ball, very calm, cool, collected, delivering the ball where it needed to be. I mean, he who would have thought that we would have thrown for more yards in this game than Purdue? I don't think anybody would have bet on that. That was something that was wild. Um I'm going to say, so we threw for 192 yards. Uh, Spencer did 13 for 23 with two touchdowns. Aiden O'Connell only threw for 168. Like I know I would have bet my house that we would not have outthrown them for yardage. Cause that's what that's, that's Purdue. That's Purdue football. That's a Jeff Brom offense. That's what, that's how they're, how they're built and engineered. Marty, what are your thoughts on what you saw and how excited were you to watch the Hawks just really break out of their shell that game and, and kick some, kick some Boilermaker butt? I was pretty excited. It was fun to watch. I, uh, second half, I wasn't nervous every time the offense got the ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you meant, you mentioned Spencer. Man, you, you got to mention KJ, too. Wow. 200 yards rushing. Only the second um, person to uh, running back for Iowa to ever do that. And the first one, I can't remember what his name was now. Um, dog on it. It'll come back to you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the running game was great. The passing game was great. And of course, defense defense was outstanding as usual. So, My, my favorite – Marty, my favorite part of the whole game was when Phil Parker looked over to Cooper DeGene and he did the reel him in motion. <laughs> like, oh, I loved it. I got so jacked up when he did that. So, Caleb, <laughs> like you said, Caleb Johnson – Every carry on carry on average, he averaged 9.1 yards a carry. Now, if you're averaging nine yards a carry, you're going to have a good day. The line is opening up holes. Caleb is one of those runners when he runs, he just, it looks effortless to him. Like he'll just take off and go. And, and he's running at a speed faster than anyone else. And he looks like he's out for a Sunday stroll. The guy is just, he's gifted. And I think he's really broken out. Now, Kyle, 
you know, you always give us this great special teams perspective. I know you kind of came up with maybe you heard about a new nickname, came up with a new nickname for our kicker. I don't want to take your thunder from it, but uh, tell us what you thought of the game and what, what you're thinking of our new kicking game going going forward. Well, for me, you know, every time there's a Hawkeye game, I'm, you know, it falls on the weekend. And since I'm a real estate agent, I'm either at an open house doing something. And at that point, I'm hoping that no one comes in because I put the game on. I stream it on my phone. But this time I was pretty busy, but you guys kept me informed with the thread. So I had to look it up. I had to watch it. I had to kind of sneak it. Um, it was a bl- very pleasant surprise. You know, it's it's always tough to see the team that you played for and the coaches that you played for, you know, struggling. And then uh, it's, it's always great to see them, like you said, break out of their shell and everyone's bouncing around, um, you know, and, and on every level, everybody's successful and doing well. And they pulled out the victory, especially away at Purdue. When I played at Purdue, we, we won both times, but I do, uh, I do remember it being a pretty tough place to play. Um, and uh, just, you know, very happy that they came out with the win. And by the way, that nickname, that was brought to my attention. I didn't even know that the Chargers kicker, his name, his last name is Kicker, something like that. I looked at, I looked, they must have gone through another kicker, uh, but uh, someone actually sent that to me. It said, hey, Flicker, the kicker no longer has its, has its rhyming reign. You got a new, you got some competition in Dicker the kicker. <laughs> Nate, you know, Nate, when we, when I was watching this game, I believe they, they had mentioned that Purdue is one of the last schools in the big 10 to have real grass. I think Northwestern might be the other one. And what, what were your thoughts when, when you were playing a post like to field turf or AstroTurf? Um, Cause you probably had a little bit of both. There's a lot of transition surfaces during your time. Um, what was your favorite surface to kick on? And what was maybe your least that you struggled with the most? I think the, you know, Kyle can attest to this too. A perfectly groomed grass field is really hard to beat, especially for a kicker. You know, for those folks listening that are golfers, or anytime you get that club underneath the ball, you know, and get a little bit of extra cushion, and that thing tends to fly a little bit more pure. And it's certainly grass. And if you're following some of the dialogue right now in the NFL, there's actually quite a bit of conversation from current players and some coaches and athletic trainers around what artificial turf being more. Um, prone and causing more injuries with guys, you know, kind of having non-contact, you know, their foot kind of getting stuck in the turf and it being less, less giving. I thought it was a big mistake for Iowa to make that transition. I'm trying to think back, Kyle, when that, you were probably right in the middle of that. I think I was grass the whole time. And I was grass the whole time too. And I was, I was kind of disappointed when they, when they uh, converted, because uh, again, you said it well, it's uh, there's nothing like kicking off of uh, good old Bermuda grass. Yeah. You think, you know, the Hawkeyes and, you know, we're never going to be the, the fastest team, you know, in the, in the big 10, or if you play these other folks, so it kind of gives you a little bit of that advantage to sort of have, have the grass and um, maybe slow down some of Remember that one Notre Dame game when they played USC and they grew the grass up, you know, to the, the, the calves of, to slow down Reggie Bush and some of those folks. So I, you know, here a prediction here, but I mean, I think you could see big, you know, FBS power five schools in the NFL all converting back to grass within the next five or so years. And you really go back to it. The only reason why they ever converted to turf anyway is for the money because it was easier to for upkeep. Yep. Um, and now with all the conversation around player safety and those sort of things, um, you know, I, th- I think uh, I'd love to see it all go back to grass personally. That's, that's the way the game's supposed to be played. 
Yeah, that was what I always had heard before was um, I was working in, at a Division II athletic department and they were making the process of switching over to turf. And it was all about the money that they would save with the upkeep. And the, the thing that I thought was interesting is when you, we got the turf samples, you could get any color you want and it's all the same price. You could get yellow turf, red turf, like whatever <laughs> right. you want. So their colors were black and gold at this school. And they, for a hot second, considered doing a yellow field with black stripes. I'm like, that, that could have gone really well either way but if you're a smaller school like that you brand yourself a little bit extra you know and just to yeah. make yourself more of a you know a destination for people to talk about like eastern washington with the red with the red field it's like you look at it and you're like man that it's hard to look at for a while on tv but matt i, I want to get your thoughts from what you saw it was i mean such a such a pleasing game to watch. I mean, it was a blast. Uh, we, Iowa had 376 total yards versus 255 for Purdue, which I don't, I, I, let's be honest. None of us really saw that coming. I know I didn't, uh, clearly for my picks, I didn't see that coming. So, uh, <laughs> Matt, what was your thoughts on what you saw? Yeah, I liked what I saw. The, the passing game was right there. Like Marty was talking about, uh, Spencer was making all the right throws, all the right reads. The offensive line was uh, creating holes for Caleb Johnson to rip through and protecting Petrus. I mean, he had a clean pocket most of that game. I was a little disappointed in the second half with uh, kind of the the conservative offense. I was kind of hoping that they would keep keep the foot on the gas and let that offense get some reps in and get some real game time experience. But uh, with our defense, I understand. I mean, they're just not going to allow a lot of points. Our secondary was stout. I mean, shutting Charlie Jones down. I mean, they with those pass yards and what we did there, that was awesome to see uh, them with that aerial attack they have shut them down completely. So it was sigh of relief, and it was definitely a sigh of relief to see that offense uh, put up as many points as they did uh, going forward in this in the rest of the season. That's that's a big confidence builder to take with them to the you know next couple games in the in the season. So it was. Adam, I, I remembered the name Marcus Coker. The only other freshman to ever run for yeah, two true freshman Caleb Johnson. Yeah. yeah. And I can't remember what happened with Marcus. He, I think he played for like one season and then transferred out and went to a smaller school. Um, he went to like, uh, was like Morristown or something like that. I can't remember, but I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't remember exactly why he left, but he had a really great year. I think what, didn't he make the cover of like the sports illustrated that year for like the upcoming season? I'm pretty sure yeah. he did. He After that bowl, game, that bowl game, he had an outstanding bowl game. The guy was a beast. I mean, he, he ran it like 32 times or something. Kind of like a Jerome Bettis back, just punished people. He was he, he was fun to watch. So I wanted to bring this up and just to look at the big picture and the journey we've been on this season. The narrative so far that we've discussed is we don't we didn't think we were going to make a bowl. And it didn't seem like it was moving in that direction. And we were frustrated. And, you know, the defense was coming out looking so strong. Defense and special teams were elite. The offense just could not get things rolling. And we're talking about we're probably not even going to win six games and make a bowl. Now the narrative has changed to the point where there's an inkling of a, a question. Man, like there's a chance to win the West. Like this thing's still wide open. Like Illinois got beat. You know, Illinois is not an unbeatable team. Wisconsin's not an unbeatable team. I mean, this is wide open. There's a, a lot of parity in the West right now. Um, I wanted to stop and talk to each one of you guys real quick before we move on to talk to Nate. I want to get your pick at this point of the season. 
who do you think is going to win the West? Is Illinois going to finish out and, and go through and, and make it to Indianapolis? Are we looking at maybe a, a Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, you know, one of those schools climbing up and taking over the South? Marty, what do you think about this one? Like, who do you see making it to Indy from the West? I'm going to stick with the Hawks. I'm going to change there you go, mind Marty. here, and I think Illinois will, <laughs> Illinois will lose to Michigan. And I think they're going to lose this uh, Saturday to Purdue. And okay. Iowa's got to win out. Well, Kyle, if we keep playing the like the well-rounded football like we have from top to bottom, I mean, we're playing Iowa football right now. Like this, these last two weeks, like this is this is what we're used to. This is, you know, the 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 type of production all the way around that we're used to. Kyle, who do you see coming out of the West? I definitely see Iowa. I mean, everyone's humming. I mean, I, I don't think there's a time where I'll, well, I, I probably wouldn't pick, would not pick Iowa, <laughs> quite frankly. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm a, call me a wishful, uh, wishful uh, thinker, you know, a optimistic realist. I understand things, but, uh, you know, uh, Iowa, though, they surprise you every once in a while, you know, and, and now it seems like they're back on track. I know it's just one game, but uh, they got to keep that momentum going. And um, I think it's going to be Iowa. You know, Nate, we've looked really, really strong the last two weeks, and I really think a lot of it, and I want to see what you think too, the offensive line has really looked strong, and that's really set the tone and helped everything else develop on the field for the offense. From what you've seen so far this season, do you feel like with the way things are going that the Hawks are going to be able to win the West, or do you feel like that, you know, there's another team that we need to look out for? Yeah, I mean, always the always the homer to uh... – to pick, to pick the Hawks, but um, no, I think we're going to know a lot after, you know, 5.30 on Saturday. I think Illinois still has, you know, has their fate in their own hands. They they got, I think, you know, they got Purdue, but hopefully Purdue's, you know, feel like their back's against the wall a little bit coming off the that loss at home that to us uh, last weekend. But they play at 11 a.m. and the Hawks play at 2.30. So it could be a, you know, if they get beat by Purdue, it could be quite the setup for Iowa. I mean, I think, I think then – you got to put the Iowa's the favorite, you know, going into the game at Kinnick and, you know, control that game and go, you know, go ahead and win. And then, like you said, Illinois has got to go to Michigan and then it's really anybody's division at that point in time. So I think that, you know, the six hours there on this Saturday are going to really tell the story. Um, if Illinois is able to win that game, I think they really got, you know, their hand on the hand on the, on the steering wheel, but, you know, hopefully they lose and sets up for a great environment at Kinnick on Saturday. Nate, has the Big Ten Network ever reached out yet, out to you and tried to get you to come in and do any segments with them, or or do you do any work with them in the studio at all? No, us kick as Kyle knows, us kickers we're on the bottom of the we're on the bottom of the, the totem pole. But uh, we we save all of our beautiful insight for for wonderful podcasts like this. But there we uh, go, bonus no, points no. there. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's it, it, it's been a lot. I mean, I, we moved back to Iowa City when I finished in San Diego, and it's. I tell everybody I'm like the luckiest college football fan because we've got four young kids and, you know, Kirk was my – how many guys get to go out for 10 years and come back and still have their head coach still coaching there? And a lot of the – you know, Kyle and I's old teammates, guys that we played with are, you know, assistant coaches. So you got that kind of personal connection back to the program. So it's a lot of fun to come back and just, just be a fan and watch and – and cheer them on. I know it's going to be surreal for a lot of Hawkeye fans to see Kyle Schlicker and Nate Kading together here at the same time. Back, you know, back to back, you know, the probably the biggest run of elite kickers that we've had at the University of Iowa. So it's it's very cool to see Matt Miller Light Delight. Tell us who is going to win the West. Take your crystal ball out. What are you seeing? 
I, this weekend is going to tell a lot. Uh, we got to take care of business against Wisconsin. I think if we can pull this one off, we are definitely going to be in the in the lead for that spot. Um, Illinois has got a couple of tough games. Uh, we should be able to take care of a banged up Minnesota. Nebraska's Nebraska, so we ought to be able to take care of them hopefully. And uh, so, yeah, if we beat Wisconsin and still look good and continue to have that O-line push and, and the offense, you know, scoring some points with the defense, the way they're playing all year long, there's no reason why we shouldn't. The only thing is if we do go, I don't know if I want to play Michigan and Ohio state again, in the big 10 championship <laughs> game, but I wouldn't, I mean, we struggled pretty bad against Ohio state and gave them probably the best field position of the entire year for their offense yeah. to, to score on us. So you know, that rematch might be better if we can actually score. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know we sound like a bunch of Hawkeye homers, but let's really like get it down here. The The Hawks are looking better than about any other team in the West. Wisconsin's looking a little better right now. Even if I'm an unbiased fan, which I'm not, I, I really like the way the Hawks are looking. right. If we can keep things rolling like we are and play a balanced game like we have, I mean, I, I don't. I think that we're going to look great on Saturday. I think we're going to be able to handle our business. So I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm over the moon speechless about how we played the last two weeks. So it's been a lot of fun. I want to know what they said to the offensive line to get them to, <laughs> to do what they've been doing in the last two games. It's like, did they just need a couple confidence boosters? Did they just need to, those games to get on the same page? I know our level of competition early on was pretty tough too. So that makes a big difference, especially with the new offensive line, but they've come to play and they've stepped it up and they've taken responsibility and they played well these last two games. Like we talked about last week and I I felt like it happened again, every single time off the snap, we're pushing them back two to three yards. And that that's the, you know, the old bullies of the big 10 back when Nate and Kyle, you know, were there that that offensive line was just pushing people around and that's what they've looked like the last couple of weeks. And that's what we've been missing. So, um, and maybe it was that comment that came out too, maybe a little, little bit of a fire, which possibly that un- that unnamed big 10 coach that came out and said that our offensive line was soft and not a typical Iowa offensive line. And then you notice right after that was said and came public and it was brought up to Kirk at the press conference too, right after that was said, things took a sharp U-turn and got, improved drastically so i'm not going to say that that's all of it but you know that 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 kind of stuff fuels you and gets you fired up you hear about that you know they got to take that personally yeah Um, i I thought the i thought the setup coming out of that ohio state game was actually really good for the hawkeyes i mean kyle can attest to this i think something that kirk is really great at is is um you know, kind of seeing the forest for the trees and, Hey, you know, we come back up at Ohio state. Now they're, they're corner, they're backed into a corner. Every, you know, even the national media, everybody's ripping on them. It's then it sort of becomes this us versus them mentality. They get to go back to into Kinnick, um, you know, against uh, you know, one win Northwestern team sort of get their legs back underneath them. But you're, you're hundred percent right. They start reading, they're putting that stuff up on the bulletin board. You know, they're challenging their, their pride. Um, and you, you just got to come out fighting at that point. And, you know, they put a good game together against Northwestern and, and now again against Purdue. And it's like the, the narrative and the has been flipped entirely. And now the setup is really good. You get a big, big home game against Wisconsin and see if that momentum can keep them going. Kind of oh. like when the uh, Nebraska AD insulted the Iowa football program. And oh, then yeah. Kirk reels off seven years in a row. <laughs> beating, them, yeah. beating the Huskers. 
Yeah, what, what did it? What did he say? Now he said um, we had to evaluate where, where Iowa was at as a program, and that they hung in with us like they did. Um, we knew it was time to make a change. So essentially, that we took them to Nebraska to overtime, made them decide that they had to fire Bo Pelini. Like if that's yeah. not a slap in the face, I don't know what is. Yeah. Well, hopefully, a lesson learned there for Hawkeye fans that want to make a change after every loss. You right? I mean, it's, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. You know, and and that's, you know, the one thing too, that I think, you know, Iowa fans have said, it's like, you know, even when you get frustrated, it's like, you know, you you get frustrated you want there to be like some alterations or some tweaks and things like that made, but I don't think all the, a very small minority, I think was saying, you know, anything about, Oh, we need to get rid of our head coach or, or things like that. Because we've seen schools like Nebraska, Tennessee, Michigan, you know, do things like that, make those knee jerk reactions. And then it can take them 15 to 20 years to crawl back to where they need to, you know, a couple bad decisions like that. And you could be playing, you know, sub 500 football for the next two decades. So it's, that's why they pay those athletic directors the big bucks, you know, that's, yeah. that's those tough decisions to make. So Nate, I don't know what you know about this podcast, but Hey, we have um, some of the most reputable sponsors on the planet. And when, well, one I of them that with the candles, I, you got to ship me. Hopefully is that, is that my compensation for a couple of, get some, some of those candles? We can get, we can get you a variety pack of all kinds of candles for different, different seasons that really just bring the season into your home. I love that. And yeah, it makes a house a home. You know, with <laughs> candles by candies. Actually, that should be their catchphrase. I might have to. Oh, there's Matt Crackett. I can just, just re-gift that right out to uh, my wife for Christmas, and it'll be uh, you, yeah. you saved mm-hmm. me one extra trip to Von Mauer for Christmas gifts. Hey, there we <laughs> go. A variety seasonal gift pack from Candles by Candy. Um, <laughs> our our next sponsor uh, that's gonna is sponsoring our our interview questions with Nate Kading is. Everybody's favorite. It's a fan favorite. It's our friends at Suck It Vacuum Repair. Suck It Vacuum Repair, because if it doesn't suck, we give a. Ooh, there. Wow, somebody had a few more. They really drugged that last word out. Yeah, they did. Jeez, man, that was. Oh, all right, guys. I know Marty, you had a couple questions here. You wanted to, to ask Nate. It's not every day that we get to talk to a Lou Gross award winner, one of our favorite kickers of all time. We're kind of partial to Kyle. He's kind of our guy. He's part of the crew. <laughs> but we're going to welcome Nate in here. We're excited to have him. Sauce, what kind of questions do you have for Nate? Well, first one's not really a question, but I might ask, uh, <clears throat> Nate, do you uh, know what your field goal percentage uh uh, was in while well, you were a Hawkeye compared to uh, Mr. Schlicker? <laughs> I would say we're, we were probably both somewhere in the low 80s, maybe. They, we couldn't have been too far apart in terms of total percentage, but I would say <clears throat> somewhere in the 80, 85% range, maybe. 79.8% for you. I ah, rounded up. And seventy-six percent for Mr. Schlicker. Ooh, so, all right, all right. That's a good a close try, one. A good try there, Kyle. But uh, I'm telling you, these kickers these days are so much better. I mean, these guys are they're they're, they're mid eighties to high eighties every you know almost every year. They're they're getting good. Oh, another, another question, hey Nate. I, I know you don't know this because we just met tonight, but uh, we're both Iowa City guys. I was born and raised in Iowa City, and I went oh, to hey, City High. You went to hawk. West. You're a little hawk. Yeah. Yep, I was a little hawk. I played uh, basketball, not football, but uh, I'm a big football fan, big fan of you. Um, 
and appreciate. I know you uh, do a lot for Iowa City. Um, my nephew has kept score at the home games for the last 25 years. Okay. So he, follow, he follows you as well, too. You've probably met him and his son <laughs> over the years at, uh, at uh, some of the fan, fan stuff. Something uh, I'm going to find interesting, what do you think of a couple things, the transfer portal and NIL? What, Good uh, question. What, what, what do you think, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the, those new? Well, I um, – don't we'll hold back, with, Nate. Don't yeah, hold back. we'll start. We'll start with the NIL. I, I tell you what, I, uh, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of it. I, I like it. Um, I've had a chance. I, I work with our, um, and just some economic development activities I do back here in the Iowa City, Cedar Rapids area. I, I do a podcast and a interview with sort of a local business leader, um, you know, CEOs or folks, entrepreneurs, those type of people. And we did actually had Caitlin Clark on the on the show, I did an interview with her a couple of weeks ago and I was just super impressed with her, um, you know, not just her in general and just her, her overall um, just approach to basketball and how she's approached the NIL um, really being a pioneer in that world. Right. She kind of got thrust into, into all of it and not, you know, she came, came to the university, had a freshman year and then all of a sudden she can go make a bunch of money doing what she's doing and just her approach to it. She's got her family helping her out. She's very self-aware about all of it. She studied it. You know, she's at, you know, Tippy at the College of Business right now, learning about branding and marketing, and she puts that into play, you know, in, in real time. So it's it's pretty impressive. And I think there's enough support system around most of these guys where um, and, and gals where they can um, it can really be a positive for them um, and they can, you know, compartmentalize it and focus on school and sports, but still have the ability to make a little bit of money on the side. I think it's great. I, I think that we're going to go a cycle through it here. I mean, you know, we're potentially and probably already in a, you know, some sort of a recession or going to move into a different phase of the economy. There's not enough money sloshing around out there like there was kind of coming out of COVID. And I think that was really the, um, uh, you know, sort of the um, uh, kind of impetus for a lot of that early money coming into the collectives and those sort of things is that fans and boosters were just throwing money around because they had a bunch of money and it was kind of the new, the new thing on the block. And I think once the economy kind of makes a little bit of a turn here, I think the, the cash out there is going to be a little less available. And then Johnny, the hard worker that owns his business, just gave 50 grand to the collective or one player that's in the NIL. And there's nothing holding him at that school. He could leave the next year, you know, turn his back and go play for the rival. And that happens a couple of times. I think you're going to find people a lot less likely to, to give money to these collectives or to the NILs directly. So I think, there's going to be less money in the system as we move forward. It's probably just going to be more directed specifically to certain athletes, but all in all, I think for the athletes themselves, I think it's a good thing as long as they can um, compartmentalize it. Now the transfer portal I'm different on. I, I do not like that. I'm not a big fan of the transfer portal. I think, um, you know, there's obviously some extreme scenarios out there where, you know, it's not working for a kid at a program, but you know, I think a lot of times these kids just get such bad advice and they make knee-jerk reactions. They didn't get the playing time or they had one one bad season of an offense or decide to go somewhere else. I, I think in the end that it doesn't reflect well upon them if they're going to try to go to the next level to the NFL and, you know, hey, is this a guy that's just going to, you know, jump ship and is he really there to put in the hard work and stick through it? Um, it just kind of signals that they're maybe a little bit more selfish and not a team-type player mm -hmm. um, because – it's not, it's not perfect. Right. I mean, you're going to go through ups and downs as a player, your team's never going to be perfect. And if you're always going to try to chase that next best thing, because you're not getting your way, or you're not getting the playing time or the season didn't go good. I think it's just a, it's a bad option for these kids to have. And it just, 
it, it makes it really complicated for coaches and universities trying to recruit and develop kids. And um, I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's tough. I think they need to put a little bit more guardrails around it so it doesn't, you know, so it doesn't really just kind of run rampant. Nate, Nate, do you remember my do you remember my first uh, couple field goals as a freshman at Iowa? You remember you remember what happened? Yeah, I drilled David Porter right in the butt twice, back to back. <laughs> yeah, I could I couldn't kick off the ground for, to to save my life, man. I couldn't do it. That was that was and on top of you know the hazing and all that stuff. I definitely deserved all that, but um, that was a tough year. And I I even think that if I had the choice of truth, I, I would have shot it down. I was. I was so committed to everybody, you know, I wasn't moving. That's, that's high character. I mean, that's, that, that's awesome. And Marty, that was a great question, man. Both of those. Those are loaded, loaded questions. It's loaded. Good. <laughs> those were, those were good. See, mine's going to be way less classy than Marty's. So I'm going to, I want to ask you, the typical me, <laughs> paint us a picture. It's early two thousands, Iowa city, Iowa, your Iowa Hawkeye football program and a young man by the name of Kyle Schlicker walks in. You meet him for the first time. Bring us in. What, what are your thoughts? What are your first impressions of this young man? No, Kyle was great. I mean, he had a great career at Ankeny and um, he also followed in the footsteps of, you know, one of the greatest kickers to ever come from Iowa. Um, a guy named Todd Severs. Yeah. He had a huge, uh, you know, what was it? 63 yard field goal in high school. He was on like, Yep. ESPN. So he was, he came from there and uh, Kyle, Kyle came in and, you know, was like you said, you know, trying to make those transitions off the ground and those things are always tricky, but had a, you know, the right, the right mindset about it always. And, um, you know, was obviously super talented and, and came in and did, did great things. So right. it was, uh, it's always good having some extra legs floating around out there and more people to keep you company. It's a close knit group of specialists, you know, like we got to stick together. It's, 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 you're, you're up against the wolves with, with your teammates most of the time. That's, that's what Kyle's the, always told us. By the way, I knew right away I was going to be uh, waiting it out until Nate graduated. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 and to, to this day, Nate, I have not seen a, a kicker kick a ball as, as good as you. I just, no. I still tell people to this day. I mean, I still teach, I show videos of you to all my kickers and videos that's of nice me. Nice of you to say. You, you had it down too, that's for sure. We've had well, a night. It's been a fun stretch, you know, of kickers. And I, I mean, if you go back you know, to 2020, Kirk's first year, myself and Kyle, I mean, it's been a great fun. Now we, we're getting kind of this North Carolina pipeline a little bit with Keith and Drew, but yeah. you know, you had Miguel Racinos and Marshall Kane and Mike Meyer and, um, uh, well, I can't think of his name right now, Regina, the local, um, da Daniel Murray. Yeah. yeah Murray. I mean, all, I mean, a nice long stretch of kind of local, locally grown, Iowa talent that all, all the guys have done a great job kicking and made, made huge kicks and, and brought that kind of level of consistency. I think we've been spoiled because that's always, that's been a, a position at Iowa for the last, you know, 20, 25 years where it just, everybody that's in that role has performed so well. We just expect whoever the kicker is going to be to do their job and do well. So it's, yeah. it's definitely been a luxury of being an Iowa fan with that. Um, and I want to get this from Kyle. We've talked about this a little bit. But with Nate first, what was that team from your, I, I would say, college? And if you can think of an NFL one, too, but that your made, made your blood pressure rise a little bit more when you took the field. Like you, there, that one, maybe two, if there's two, that you just wanted it a little bit more. Every time you went up to kick, you just you wanted it just a bit more to stick it to those guys. What are one or two programs that come to mind when you think of that? 
You're asking me? Either one of you guys, but both of you. But what you will start with Nate. When I mean, when we were there, it was always fun playing because I was, you know, you're always kind of viewed as the little guy, right? You know, where you're the, the, um, you know, whether you're going up against the Wisconsin or some of these, the kind of the bigger school, the you know, the bigger stadium, more enrollment, the bigger town. So we, I always loved, and you always kind of Kirk did a great job of sort of building up, like, hey, we're we're the little guys, right? Like we're the underdogs. It's the David versus Goliath. So those times when you get to go to Penn state, you get to go to Michigan or, you know, of course those times when you get to welcome those big dogs into Kinnick, you know, into your home field. I mean, those are the ones that really, you really kind of get up for, you know, and those are the ones that, you know, I think, you know, as, as Iowans, you kind of play into that storyline a little bit, like, Hey, this is our chance to go toe to toe with these big dogs and, and uh, you know, show them that we can hang and, and, and put them in their place. So those are always the ones that you kind of, at least for me, that you always tend to get up for a little bit more than maybe some of the other ones. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? Um, whichever team that was, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't try to pay attention to it too much. I mean, Coach Ferris did a great job of kind of deflecting the media and, you know, making us focus on what we, we needed to focus on. But for me, it was any team that had the high hype coming into the game. You know, it didn't matter who it was. Um, you know, I just wanted to prove everybody wrong. Uh, but if I did have to pick one thing that I just love, uh, one team that I love playing against uh, and loved drilling some field goals and being successful was Iowa State. I just, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, That's right. You're, you're the State. neck of the woods, be, though. From Anchor, being yeah. from I mean, being from Anchor. <laughs> all my, you know, I shouldn't say all, but like, you know, probably half my friends and a lot of my family. When I, when I, when I went to Iowa, I found out pretty quickly that, you know, there was, there was a, a, lot, a lot of friends of mine that were disappointed. And uh, so I love rubbing it in every time we uh, got the chance to, um, you know, kick there. And I, I don't, you know, I, I think I did pretty well every time we played them um, at Jack, Tri at, at, at Iowa State and at home. So, um, yeah, I think of the five years that from 02 to 06, would we lose just twice, once or twice? You guys would know better than me. But anyway, that was always fun. Awesome. Well, I love hearing stuff like that. And Nate, uh, one other thing we wanted to ask you too, throughout your playing career in college and the NFL, who are one, one or two guys that really influenced you the most, whether it be a coach or player that, that really mentored you and helped you become the player and the person you are today? I was really lucky, um, especially as a kicker, uh, to have three really, I would call them understanding head coaches, you know, from Reese Morgan at Iowa city West high schools, you know, legendary uh, not only Iowa high school coach, but Iowa football coach, um, you know, Kirk, you know, he, he can, he can kind of get upset with the kickers every now and then he can, if you, if you're having a, a couple bad days, but I mean, he's, he's empathetic to the, to the game. And then I was lucky enough to play for Marty Schottenheimer, um, the late and great Marty Schottenheimer. He was the chargers coach when, I got drafted uh, out there, but he, he, Marty was a big golfer. So he always understood, you know, he'd always come up to me. Oh, I, I understand. You know, I, I was, I had a three foot putt the other day at, at Torrey Pines in San Diego and I missed it. And he goes, I understand you, you can't make them all, you know, even the ones that you think you, you wow. should make, but all three of them were just, I think really good people. I think every now and then you're, you're going to, you know, you see the coach kind of ripping on the kicker or the quarterback or something that, you know, and they're, they probably just don't get it and, you know, aren't understanding or maybe haven't played or, um, you know, or just, bad people, you know, that, that don't get it and don't understand it. So I've been lucky enough to just have three really good human beings as head coaches. So those, those were really, really nice. And they, you know, and they all appreciated the, you know, that kicking is a unique position in the sense that you're not button heads with guys or running around or you're not going to be bloodied and bruised like everybody else. But yet, you know, 
you're, you want to perfect your craft and you, you, you know, you're trying just as hard in that sense to be a con contributor on the team and be really good at what you're doing. So all those coaches really sort of understood that and appreciated the, the unique role that a kicker can play um, amongst the team. So I think that, that was all, you know, those were great to have, have three head coaches, you know, that, that, that appreciated the position like they did. So Nate, correct me if I'm wrong. Now I, I did doing a little bit of research. I came across that. Were you, did you have a little like a hot second as like a movie review writer there for a while? Way, way back when, as Kyle can attest to, you know, you got to do some things to keep yourself occupied. So, uh, okay. you know, there was a local, this was, but this was, I'm dating myself again, but you know, pre podcast, all those sort of things. So it was, in the off season, I think even during the season, there was, you know, the local paperback here in Iowa city, they were looking for just kind of guest contributors to different things. So yeah, I was, I was a movie reviewer for okay. a couple of years, just nothing else to do in the locker room where everybody else is working. You got to put the local movie in and craft a nice, nice review on it. I always thought that sounded like the most fun job ever. Now tell me what is the worst when you were a movie reviewer, what was the worst movie you ever saw? And maybe the, one of the best, man, I can't remember the, the worst, but, uh, I'm a big Coen Brothers guy, um, so some of those that you know come out Fargo and I think okay. Country for Old Men. I got to brush up. I was talking about this the other day. There's like no good movies anymore. It's all like no. I mean, you get them on Netflix and the, all the shows are really good. Um, we just started watching, uh, you know, White Lotus and some of these that are that are coming on and Yellowstone's coming back up soon. But the day and age of like the great like blockbuster kind of not not like a Marvel comic book movie, but just like a good solid like yeah movie maybe that makes you think a little bit or shed a tear or something like that like it just doesn't seem like sure. they're, they're putting those together much anymore you know but uh no, no country for old men that, that was another good one i think that was kind of in the in the prime there but i've never you know, seen that have you seen that marty no no i haven't i want to watch the, the niall kinnick documentary there's a really it's nice, good have you seen, can you see is that streaming somewhere or is it yeah you have to go on um and i don't know if they broaden the spectrum of what you can watch it on but there's um it's like vimeo is like uh yeah an i app. tried to get it and i couldn't figure it out it was, it it, was over it, my head but. it took me a little bit to get it going like i had to mess yeah. with it for a minute but i got it so and it was really good, good. so yeah, yeah it, it it was a little bit challenging i think that if a ton of people didn't watch it. That's probably the reason why, because it was a little bit challenging for a lot of people to get it pulled up. But once I got it, I, I was sucked in. It was really good. It looks good. Well, yeah. Trailer I saw. Yeah. Uh, really good. And one thing I wanted to ask you about too, Nate, I didn't really know this about you either. You were a kicking consultant for the Vikings for a season. Tell us about how you stumbled upon that opportunity and w what you did for the Vikings. It was fun. Um, I know Kyle does it as well, but even when I was, playing in college and in the NFL. And of course, after that, I spent a lot of time working with, with kickers um, in the high school level, college, uh, and just kind of met some folks in and around the coaching world. And um, like anything in the NFL or college, it's kind of what kind of connection you might have. And Mike Zimmer had been the Vikings coach for a long time. And I think he finally got to the point where he, he realized that he, he had had enough with kickers and wanted someone to come up and help him. And probably more so to be a buffer between him and the kickers who never had to talk okay. to him much anymore. And the other specialists, they had had, you know, several years where they were sort of underperforming and they were looking for someone to come up and spend the offs, you know, in and around the, the specialists for the off season and during training camp and then during the season to kind of help put together practice schedules and lifting and in week routines and evaluate tape and those sort of things. And I, uh, had a connection with the special teams coach at the time and knew he, he knew I was doing some work and they brought a few guys up to interview. And I, it was kind of, you know, outside of my professional responsibilities back here in, in Iowa city, it was kind of that unique 
the timing was good and it was close enough where I could kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, if it was something that had popped up in Seattle or New York or something, it probably wouldn't have been likely, but it was just kind of that rare occurrence where it was with a, with a team that was close enough to, to Iowa. And, um, you know, the arrangement was good and I, I loved it. It was great. We, you know, I don't, uh, proclaim to take the credit for it, but you know, the kicker Dan Bailey at the time had a, had a really good season. The specialist did good and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then the next season, I was going to come back the next year, but the next year was the COVID COVID year where they had, mm-hmm. you know, all the restrictions on who, who could be in and around the team and you had to, you know, the bubble and all that sort of stuff. So, and then coach Zimmer got released after the, the COVID year. So it, it was great. It was a good, it was a, you know, now looking back on it, a little bit of a random sort of one year, um, for Rando, but it was actually really cool to jump back into the NFL for that year and, and, cool. and be there and, and dive in. You know, Nate, and you guys jump into if you have another question. I don't want to dominate this. If you guys think anything, just say, Adam, shut up. We got a question for Nate, okay? I'm looking but, forward to one of these sponsors. We need another sponsor. We got another one for you, man. <laughs> We're loaded with sponsors. And this is the type, type, type of entrepreneurs that we attract on this podcast. I like it. Um, you know, I, w- I was thinking back in, you know, on December 24th, 2007, um, Mr. Nate Kading went to make a tackle in a game on Christmas Eve against the Denver Broncos and you fractured your fibula and you played continually played after that. Can you tell us how painful that was and that you continued to play with that? What, you know, I've never fractured my fibula. I've fractured about everything else possible. Just walking down the street, fibula (laughs) probably going to be next on my list. Tell, tell us what that was like. Yeah, it wasn't, it it, it wasn't good. I I took a a helmet to the back, kind of the smaller bone below your knee there, the back of my leg, the last regular season game. And then was a, you know, a, a fracture in the leg, but it's kind of one of those non stress bearing things, but of course was pretty painful and, you know, went out and um, they brought another guy in to kick off and then, you know, did some field goals. Didn't, you know, didn't practice much during the week and then went out and just kind of kicked, kicked the field goals through the course of the, um, the playoffs there. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty painful. It wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of fun. That's for sure. Especially not being able to practice and just kind of in the back of your head when you're going to plant your foot. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, like NFL seasons, especially, you you know, you're even as a kicker, you're going to, you know, typically not a broken fibula, but you're going to have nicks and bruises and, you know, have to miss some, miss a little time, whether it be during practice or games and those sort of things. And um, I admire that. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Those guys that, you know, were playing college ball and around the time Kyle and I were playing that are still out there kicking and, you know, and he's, you know, doing what the Robbie Gould and the Justin Tuckers and those guys that have been able to, you know, keep their bodies healthy and, or, you know, going on there, you know, 15 plus seasons, I think, yeah. uh, and just model of consistency and, and keeping their selves healthy and mentally engaged and handling the pressure and all, all of those things. And it's, um, no, nowhere to hide as a, as a kicker in the NFL. That's for sure. It's, uh, it's a tough mm-hmm. profession. Yeah. Well, definitely you're kicking and then you're out there making tackles and laying hits on trying, people. trying I mean, to make tackles. That's, that's the, head on collisions or leg sweeps. That's about it, man. If I, if I kicked the ball, I would have just ran straight to the sideline and sat on the bench and been like, you don't get, you know, that's a, a thing too, that you're missing. I was watching that Patrick, the Pat McAfee uh, tackle yeah. that we lit up that guy on that kickoff. Now with, you know, every, with the ball moved up and they're kicking the ball through the end zone and you could, you know, randomly wave your hand and not have to return the ball. Like we, yeah. we're, we're 
robbing football fans of one of the most special plays of all of football is the kicker trying to make a tackle. McAfee <laughs> laid into that guy too when he hit him. Like he lowered his shoulder oh, and yeah. really hit him. He said that cleaned his clock a little bit after that too. <laughs> he was shaken up a little bit. Uh, have, have you, did you ever get the chance to meet Pat? Yeah, just you know, before before games and after games, just we I think we we played against each other a couple times, and um, there was just a cool article about him in the Athletic, and just sort of more of that background of the lead up to when he decided to hang it out. He was a great punter when he just when he jumped into media full time, and it yeah. talked a bit about like he was doing some TV shows and um, things for the local, you know, the Indianapolis Star while he was a player, and just kind of fell in love with it and practicing it, and was kind of natural at it. But man, yeah. he's Seems like you made a good career choice, even a risky one, but a good one. Well, speaking of good career choices, our next sponsor is a wonderful career choice. <laughs> they sponsor our electrifying matchups. They are brought to you by Meyer Electric. Meyer Electric with shockingly good service since 1833. Meyer Electric. It's a long run family business. You got to admire that. That's a long, long running family business. Meyer Electric, shockingly good service since 1833. All right, Nate, they just keep coming, man. We got these sponsors just I love it. lining up. These guys just want to be a part of this mess. All right, we're going to start out with Marty. Marty's looking a little pixelated there. That Florida <laughs> internet is not flowing. Um, watch, I'm going to say that, and then my internet's going to go zip and cut out like it did last time. Somebody's going to unplug you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Marty, first matchup. We got the Fighting Turtles up at Maryland, 6-3, and three, traveling to Happy Valley, number 14, Penn State. Penn State, 7-2. and two. They're a 10.5-point favorite, okay? This one's going to be 2.30 p.m. I think I'm going to have to sign off and sign back on, Adam. All right, all right. We'll move on. Go ahead and get off there. Pop back. Did you say Maryland, 6-3? and three? Yeah. Wow. They're having, they're having a good year. They're having a, they're having a, yeah, they're having a solid year. You know, there's some haters out there like Matt that think they've just played a weak schedule so far. So I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out this weekend. Yeah, we will find out this weekend. All right. Um, Marty, are you good? Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. All right. We got Maryland six and three traveling to Penn state. Penn state is seven and two. Penn state's favored by 10 and a half. Happy Valley, 2.30 kickoff on Fox. Marty, who are you taking in this one? Penn State. I believe Penn State at home, and I'm kind of with Matt on this one. Usually we don't agree on anything. but um, <laughs> Or maybe it's just because I don't like him. But, <laughs> Ooh, that was mean. Throwing some juggernauts. Nate, Marty likes to play hard to get and pretend he doesn't like people when he really does. <laughs> but I'm thinking uh, Penn State at home, that's a Happy Valley is a tough place to play. And, and again, I don't have that much respect. I don't think Maryland's as good as their record. So Penn State. Okay. All right. Kyle, Maryland and Penn State, that's kind of started to become a little bit of a rivalry that's been brewing over the last few years. I know Maryland's pushed really hard to eventually turn that into a trophy game. Um, I know one year when they went out, Maryland refused to shake their hand. Uh, at when, when the when the captains went out and met. I think this has been about two or three years ago. But we got Maryland going to Penn State. Penn State favored by 10.5. Who are you taking in this one, Kyle? I'm taking Penn State. It's tough to play there, you know. And like, I, I, like I've said in, in earlier podcasts, I still – it's hard for me to believe that Maryland's part of the Big Ten, but it's hard for me to accept, <laughs> I should say, that they're no. part of the Big Ten. So I got to take Penn State, man. I have to. 
No, it's, you know, Nate, I, I don't know, but every time I see Maryland playing in a Big Ten game, it, my first thought is, why is there an Arena League football team out here playing in the Big Ten? <laughs> Just with all that business going on in their uniforms with the Maryland flag, yeah, I'm cool. like, it looks like that we should be playing on a 50-yard field, like, you know, doing kickoffs off the net and catching it and running. <laughs> um, who are you going to take in this one, Nate? And, hey, be careful with your picks here. Like, we're going to reach out and talk smack. So I like it. I'm going to try to go go 100%. I I'm with you guys. I got to go Penn State here. It's tough, tough place to play. And like you said, I didn't even, I didn't even know Maryland won a game this year. And you told me they're six and three, but maybe, maybe they're going to catch us by surprise. But I, I like Penn State. I think you got those traditional, the three big dogs there in the East that are, they're going to run rampant here in Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Penn State at home. All right, Matt. I got a little fun fact for you that the Nittany Lions are named from the Mount Lions on Mount Nittany in Pennsylvania. Fun fact of the day. Fun so fact. We got the Terrapins going out to Happy Valley, a very underrated place to tailgate. Lots of fun, but the tailgating's not going to win the game. Who's taking this one? So Penn State, like you said, is a tough place to play. Hundred nine thousand screaming fans. I doubt Ooh. there's going to be a whiteout this time, but. Uh, Last week, Maryland, they put up 10 points against Wisconsin, you know, and their defense isn't as good as Penn State. Um, Maryland's allowing 24 on average for the season. Well, that's your that's over your spread, so I'm Penn State. Wow. Utilizing that stat team right there, Matt. That was impressive. Wow. <laughs> we'll see if it comes true. I don't know. My picks haven't been great, so. That's that. That's Matt putting those sponsorship dollars to use right there, with our uh, our high level, our high level research team there. Right. All right, and then I am. I've already emailed in my picks to Matt. So since with, with with us having a guest picker, I am bowing out on the on all these. So next one up, Kyle. We're gonna we're gonna jump to you and keep flowing. Um, we have Northwestern fighting kitty cats one and eight traveling. Do it, to- Kyle. Do it. Kyle, he won't do it. <laughs> you remember that? You remember that, Nate? Oh man, yeah, yeah. best best in-game audio clip. Oh, oh man, the wildcat first down. I can't do it. There we go. Yeah, he's got it down. He does. I, I don't Penn, even Penn, State, it. Penn State's very Penn State's similar too. It's, uh... It is. But I never knew a Nittany Lion and a Wildcat sounded the same, but apparently I was wrong. Um, hey, Nate, you, you recognize that locker behind him? Oh, yeah, well, you, who do you I got see, there? Can I see? That, that is actually the old – yeah, the old original. Yeah. yeah. Who, whose locker did you get there, do you know? Uh, I know Warren Holloway had it, um, the guy that cut yep. the last second pass yep. in the Capital One Bowl. Before right. that, I'm not sure who else did. So I was able to get him to sign something and I stuck it up in there. So yeah, it's very, very cool. That, I mean, me being a diehard Hawk that there was still dirt and grass in the bottom of it where you kept your cleats. I geeked out big time. Oh, that's... That, that dirt and grass is still there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, lo- I love it. it. Don't touch it. Yeah. I watched my wife down here with a vacuum cleaner. No, there's found some, oh, dirt, no. found some dirt in here. You go diving on it. No. all right someone's gonna have to keep me in line here all right now we got northwestern one and eight at minnesota now uh minnesota six and three for the year and um minnesota's favored by 17 and a half we got a 230 kick up on btn kyle we know how you hate the color purple who are you taking in this one northwestern or minnesota 
Yeah. Um, I don't hate the color purple. I just, you know, don't try to be tough. Don't try to be a big, big, bad, tough football team. Unless you're in the NFL, the Ravens or anything like that, the Vikings, that's different. But no, man, I'm a, you know, I'm a Pat Fitzgerald fan. I am. And as much of, uh, as much as I, you know, I, I have some connections here in the Northwestern being up here, um, you know, up here in the Chicago area and then working up at the Navy base and my buddy, Tommy Ruby, the former seal that played for, um, Northwestern, regardless of all that, I have to go with Minnesota. I mean, you know, one and eight versus six and three, they're playing at Minnesota. I have to go with Minnesota on this one, man. All right. We're over next to the Miller Light Delight. Matt, who are you taking in this one? The Wildcats at the Golden Gophers. Minnesota's favored by 17 and a half. Yeah, this one, that's a lot of points, um, especially watching Minnesota struggle last week and Northwestern play well against Ohio State. Only let them score in the 20s. Um, lost the game still, but definitely played them tough. Uh, with those points I, and Minnesota being banged up like they are, I'm actually going to take Northwestern with the points. I don't think they're going to win, but I think that uh, they got a good chance of staying under that 17 and a half. Marty's shaking his head at you right now. I don't think he agrees. Marty? No, I, I, I do agree. That's what's killing me. Uh-oh. <laughs> I even had down that they kept up with Ohio State, and I, I think Minnesota. Maybe they're turning the corner. But uh, not by they won't win by 18, I don't think. Okay. All right. I'm so taking you're, on Northwestern. On we're picking one. against the spread, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go uh, I'm gonna go for um, Minnesota. I think Northwestern. They had their weird, random one good half of football for the whole year against Ohio State. By <laughs> the fifty mile an hour Lake Michigan win, oh, it was windier than crap there. They, oh, they shot their shot in the first half last week, and I, I, Minnesota's going to win forty-two to ten. Jeez, Ooh. Nate, did you see the city. Nate? Did you see the renderings for the new Northwestern Stadium? It looks amazing. Wow, I mean that's going to be the sweetest thirty thousand seat capacity stadium in the world. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I've been to Northwestern uh, three different occasions for an Iowa game. It doesn't blow your socks off. Sure doesn't. No, <laughs> great and town, amazing town, but yeah, yeah, not the, not the they don't environment you want. And, and I, we went to the Northwestern game at Kinnick a couple weeks ago. I, I think I counted less than ten Northwestern fans the whole weekend. They just not a lot of them to be had. So. All right. So one of the best cheers, though. I went to a Northwestern game. Have you heard him do that one about it? They say that's all right. That's okay. You'll be working for me someday. They they, <laughs> they roll that one out for like Iowa, Nebraska. You know, they again they everybody looks down on us. Is that's that's where you got to go. That's pretty good. Beat up on those guys. Yeah, it was the the hundred Northwestern students at the game were were making that chant. That, that's pretty funny. The rest the rest of them have to be studying. So. That's a, yeah. that's a good chant. I, I don't know that I've heard that one from them, but I, yeah, I just earned a little good. bit more respect. So. I got a kick out of it. That is a good one. All right, Kyle, next one up. We got the Nebraska Cornhuskers, three and six with Mickey Joseph at the helm. A lot of rumors on who's going to be taking that job. Um, they're going to be going up to Ann Arbor to the big house. Michigan's favored by 29 points in this one. That is a big spread. Michigan's still undefeated, 9-0. and oh. This one's going to be 230 kickoff nationally televised on abc kyle who are you taking in this one that's a big spread buddy oh, it is and i hate michigan so much it pains <laughs> me to say it it pains me to say it but uh 
you know, I love telling stories to, to Michigan fans about how, you know, I never missed a field goal there and standing on the 50 yard line, it's really not that big. You have a place to play at. Um, but I have to take Michigan on this. I mean, Nebraska's, you know, it's just, yeah, I'll keep it at that, man. Michigan's going to win. <laughs> oh, Matt, when the spreads are this big, like in, in Nebraska's looking a little better, you know, every week and they're starting to slip back into their finding a way to lose. But is Michigan going to be able to beat Nebraska by more than 29 points? That's what you got to ask yourself. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, N- Nebraska put up 13 points against Minnesota and, uh, Michigan's average is 42. I mean, that's more than your 29. I'm taking Michigan. Who are you right now? You're Rain like, man, man, he's, this guy's ripping out the stats. Like I'm a little intimidated. All <laughs> right. So Matt, Matt is going with the Wolverines in this one, Marty, the South, who are you taking in this one, the Wolverines or the corn Huskers? Two things on this game. Number one, Nebraska quarterback is questionable. Mm. Don't, they don't know who they're going to play Saturday for quarterback. Right. And Harbaugh's <laughs> pissed off about <clears throat> being number three with Ohio State being number two. So he's going to run it up. So definitely Michigan on this one. All right. Nate, who are you taking uh, in this one? I, I tend to agree on the, the Michigan running it up. I mean, these Michigan, Ohio State, both. I mean, they got a they're, – they're playing for – for vanity a little bit, right? It could come down to a, a coin toss for a one loss team. So they, they got to score all the points they can get and it's true. treat each one like they got to win it by 40 or 50. So I'm going to, I'm going to go Michigan as well. All right. We got a clean sweep here on that one. All right, Kyle, next one up on the docket. We got the Purdue Boilermakers now at five and four after getting dominated by the Hawks last week, traveling to Illinois. Again, Illinois is the number 21 ranked team in the country. Still feels weird to say that. Illinois is favored by six and a half right now. This is the state that you're building a real estate empire, real estate empire in, Kyle. You're living <laughs> there. You're raising your family there. Who's going to win this one? Illinois favored by six and a half. We're going to an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN, too. Yeah, Illinois just lost, too, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a Bielema fan. I uh, I got to give him props. Um <clears throat> You know, I'm I'm actually kind of happy to see Illinois kind of up, you know, on, on the up and up. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going with Illinois on this one. My my, my man Brett Bielema, I got to give it to him. They're going to pull out the Vic at home. Matt, there's a lot of grumblings in the Midwest about a potential Purdue upset over Illinois this week. Which way do you see it going? So I agree with the upset, Illinois. Um... Can their secondary hold against Purdue? It's only a six and a half point spread. Uh, it is at Illinois. That one was tough, so I, I wasn't sure there. But uh, I I'm going to take uh, Purdue in this one. All right, Marty, who you taking in this one? The Boilermakers against mm-hmm. the Fighting Illini. Illinois favored by six and a half. This is my heart versus head game uh, because we need. Hawks need Illinois to lose. <laughs> we need yes. we need Purdue to win this one. So my heart is telling me I'm going to go with Purdue because right. I don't think because Illinois got Michigan and then they got Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern can beat them. So um, I'm I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I'm going Purdue. Okay. What do, you, what do you think here, Nate? On this one, I'm following my man Marty. I, I I'm a I'm going heart here as well. I'll be watching. 
very attentively at 11 a.m. I think those two games, like we talked about at the top of the show, the Purdue, Purdue, Illinois, and then Hawks, Wisconsin are the two premier games in the Big Ten, and we we need we need the Boilermakers to boiler up. We need that train to come out of the tunnel instead of breaking down this. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad it broke down last week. Let's get the let's get the lug nuts tightened up and let's get that thing back on the tracks and take out, take out Illinois. No, that was a meme that we released last week. It was the them pushing the train off the field and said this that train was that's a bad omen. That's a yeah. engineering school. I mean, come on, you got to get that. Damn yeah. Train. So that, <laughs> yeah, that that train wasn't the only thing that broke down that day. That's for no. sure. All right, boys, and we also would kind of be, be rooting for Northwestern to pull out one against Minnesota. That would that would help too. So uh, the earlier one, but um, the final one that we're picking, big t- big time game. You, play, you, play. There's one more. You you missed uh, Michigan State. Uh, Rutgers at Michigan State. Oh, I don't have that one on mine. Rutgers at Michigan State. Okay, Matt, what's the spread on that the one? Spread on that's minus ten. Michigan State. Michigan State and Rutgers. Okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. I, I thought I had it on the list. Uh, and there's, I possibly missed it. No, let's be honest. I probably missed it. Let's just go with that one. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Kyle, who are you taking? Thanks, in this, who are you taking in this one, Kyle? Rutgers to me is kind of like Maryland. It just doesn't fit. It, like in the Big Ten, it just when I think of it, it's, it doesn't match up. So I'm taking Michigan State, simply purely for that reason. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, I mean, Matt, Michigan State looked like a different team last week. They were, they've been pretty horrendous the first half of the season, and they seem to be slowly improving. So, Matt, who are you going to take in this one, Michigan State or Rutgers? Yeah, Michigan State looked better. Uh, maybe they're getting some things figured out. Uh, Rutgers is pretty banged up. I'm not sure what quarterback they're on at this point. I know they were down a couple at one point in time. Um, I'm going to take Michigan State on this one as well. All right. Marty, who are you taking in this one, Michigan State or Rutgers? Michigan State. Rutgers is just a bad team. I agree with Kyle. I don't know why they're in the Big Ten. <laughs> it's for the TV dollars, man. That's why That's why they're making all these decisions. The Big Ten is going to be unrecognizable by the time we're old men and, and, and yeah. out of here. I mean, it's going to – the way it's going, it's going to be like just total chaos. So it, wait, who knows? So one of the ori- – just wait till one of the originals jumps ship and goes to a different conference. That that'll blow my mind. I mean, that do you think that could ever happen? I mean, can it happen? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if the SEC <laughs> write, writes a big enough of a check, you know, oh. I think there was rumors there for a while when all this was going crazy was that the SEC was going hard after Ohio State and Michigan, um, mm-hmm. and that they, they they met and then they decided to you know, not, not proceed with those, those conversations. I think there's a lot of uh, big 10 loyalists and purists that would have flipped out if that would have happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, good. No, uh, Nate, who you taking in this one? Sparty's been looking a lot better the last few weeks. Yeah. You got to go Michigan state for all, all of the previously mentioned reasons, mostly because <laughs> Rutgers is no good. <laughs> so <laughs> We'll go with Michigan State on that one too. When when Rutgers started out the season, they started out kind of hot. Like they looked like they were going to be a lot, like much improved. And it's just kind of gone back down the gutter again. So I, I do think Shiano is going to get them at least, you know, to the point where they're really competitive again. I think he is a good coach. And I think that that's a great fit for him. So, all right, guys, it's the battle for the Heartland Trophy. Nate, <coughs> Kyle, you guys know all too well about this. This is a big one. This is one that definitely is up there. We want this one bad. Uh, Wisconsin has gotten the best of us a little more than we would like to admit. 
the last few years. And, you know, just like, you know, getting Purdue last week, I feel like this one is one that Hawk fans really, really want. Beating Wisconsin, I'm sorry, it just feels feels so good. And it means a little more, I feel like. Kyle, who are you taking in this one? Wisconsin's five and four. The Hawkeyes are five and four. Wisconsin is pretty much a pick 'em. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by one and a half. It's at Kinnick Stadium, two thirty kickoff on FS1. I was just going to ask what time's the kickoff. I I never enjoyed eleven a.m. kickoffs. Um, I'm definitely going with Iowa on this one. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. It's at home, two thirty kickoff. They'll be well energized. The week of preparation is going to be great. I I just feel it, man. I feel another. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just going to be buzzing. It's going to be great. Iowa all the way. Matt, I hope the crowd comes out at Kinnick, gets loud. Jim Leonard, interim coach, sounding like that's the guy they want to promote into that role. Are we going to bring the heat? Are we going to shake this guy, his first year's interim coach, and knock off the Badgers? Yeah, I think uh, with – what we allow per game on our defense, you know, our average is 14 and that's skewed because of the Ohio state game a little bit. And then, uh, you know, if we can score a few points, you know, our average has, has jumped up to 17, you know, the offense does what they've been doing the last two games. You know, they've been looking a lot better. I think that I was going to take this one. I like it. It just feels good to hear that. Marty, the South, who are you taking in this one? Badgers at the Hawkeyes. Wisconsin's favored by one and a half. I think it's going to be a close game, and I think the crowd brings it across uh, as the uh, extra man on the field and taking Iowa. Nate, you know, the the whole direction of the season can really, you know, lies on this game. It, it could go sharp one way or sharp another. It's a big, big game. You know, I don't think we need to stress that anymore. Who are you taking in this one? What do you see happening when the Badgers come to Iowa City this weekend? You hit it on the head. I mean, this is kind of the, the rubber match. This, this season for the Hawks kind of reminds me, you know, watch basketball games and like the, you know, the team gets down like 20 points and they make that one big run, but they just get it to within like three or five points. And then they just can't get over the hump and the other team yep. comes back. Like we're kind of at that season for the Hawks, you know, they, everybody, they were down. A lot of people have counted them out, but they, they've got these two good games kind of stacked onto each other. Can they make this last little run here to, you know, we win this game and then it's like, Oh man, maybe we could rattle off these last five and really, do something special with, you know, a big turnaround. Um, but Ma- Marty hit it on the head. 2.30 start, blackout at Kinnick. I mean, they, people are going to be head-to-toe, black stocking caps, gloves. It's going to be 31 degrees. we got daylight savings time, so it's getting dark here in Iowa City at about 5 o'clock, 5.15. That fourth quarter will be, you know, at dusk and dark by the time the game's over. I think it's going to be one of those classic, you know, last drive close in the fourth quarter. Hopefully, Tory pins them inside the five and everybody's going bonkers, you know, five minutes left and we're up three or something. And um, it's going to be one of those classic kind of big 10 Kinnick matchups, really probably the best, most electric environment and Kinnick for the whole season. So it's, it's going to be exciting. And um, of course, picking, picking the Hawks to make that, make this one big push and, um, and really kind of cement the turnaround here for the season. Well, guys, this season's been an emotional roller coaster, and we are on the way up. I hope it continues to head that way. This has been a lot of fun these last two games, and hopefully we can bring the Heartland Trophy home, and ah, it feels so good to beat Wisconsin. So, Nate, thank you so much, man, for taking time to come on with us and talk football. It was a blast having you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Kyle, thanks for the invite. This is fun. Awesome. All right, man. Good to catch up. Hey, yeah. you're, you're always welcome back, Nate, anytime. So thanks for coming Annual, on, annual event. We'll make it work. Let's do it. All right. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Hawks. You bet.